see, see, I just pre- I started recording this uh, little podcast right here, and, uh, <laughs> and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna keep <laughs> recording this podcast. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm going crazy. I think uh, we are crazy. Uh, are we still alive? Is it 2019? Are you sure I didn't, like, fall off a cliff <laughs> and hit my head and imagine what we just witnessed? Um, oh, welcome to Back to the Wage of Cinema. Um, I'm Jack, and as always, with me is... Wifely Duty Corey. How are your duties tonight? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, uh, they should have put this in our marriage vows. For richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. Seeing Serenity in the movie theater. <laughs> well, what's funny, though, about it is... Ah, um, who am I kidding? I want to see this just as much as you Okay, <laughs> but what's funny, though, is this isn't the first movie called Serenity that you and I have seen in a movie theater. That's in true. fact, uh, this actually kind of holds some significance for us because our first real movie date together when we started going out was a double feature of Broken Flowers and Serenity. Yes, this was our first movie date. (laughs) Technically, our first date was just you coming over to my dorm room. Yes, um, yeah. But this is the first time we left home. Yeah, I mean, like, what I consider, like, a date date. You know, going over, like, out to eat and then going to see two movies. And you originally actually were the one that suggested seeing the 2005 Serenity. Of course, that is a much different movie than this. <laughs> and, that, and that was, of course, the um, uh, the first time that Joss Whedon directed a movie. Uh, it was a spinoff of his show Firefly. And uh, I wonder, A, if he knows that this is coming out, and B, what his reaction will be if he, find, if he discovers... Hey, you know, if people want to try to discover my movie Serenity, what if they stumble upon this instead? <laughs> oh, Mal is going to have to have some words with these guys. <laughs> Man, burn my eyes, boil my ears. You can't take the C from me. Damn it, I can't even rhyme! <laughs> You've had quite the cinematic experiences. I'll tell you something, though. You know what? This, to me, like, you know, because I saw Glass, and we talk, and I talked to you about it. We had a long uh, discussion. You know, with Glass, uh, funny enough, when I think back to that movie, you know, yesterday, <laughs> that actually had more... I was, I was able to actually predict more of what was going to happen in that movie than this. Yes, this movie, it's unpredictable, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, so let me try to give you a little bit of a rundown about this steaming pile of what the fuck. That's what you should know right up front. Serenity 2019. Uh, this is the weirdest fucking movie like I've ever seen. This is the weirdest movie that's featured this level of Hollywood talent since Richard Kelly's Southland Tales. <laughs> it, it's and, and like that movie, too. Well, unfortunately, I was kind of disappointed because I thought that um, the director of this movie is uh, this guy, Stephen Knight. Um, he's got soul, but he's not a soldier. 
you could say that. Um, <laughs> largely, he's a screenwriter. I mean, and he's written all sorts of different uh, kind of movies. Uh, he he started actually pretty promisingly. He wrote uh, "Dirty Pretty Things." It's called. That was a thriller. I actually still need to see that movie. It's a Stephen Frears film. Yeah, uh, he wrote "Eastern Promises," which is great. Um, he wrote things like the hundred foot journey with Helen Mirren, uh, the Robert Zemeckis World War II flick, Allied, uh, the I'm Bradley Cooper having an existential crisis as a chef, <laughs> I guess, in Burnt or whatever that was. Uh, I mean, he's also had some stumbles too. Uh, he actually is credited as a writer on, and I, he wasn't the only writer on this though. To be fair, he wrote that movie Seventh Son. What's that? It's like. A fantasy, like medieval, weird, like thing with uh, Jeff Bridges and Julianne Moore. I have no that? memory of this happening. Uh, but to me, I looked at this as being like his return to filmmaking. And previously, he made a movie that I quite enjoyed called Luck. L-O-C-K-E, like John Locke. And you said it's Tom Hardy in a car, right? Yeah, the entire movie is just. Tom Hardy is is this guy named Locke, and he basically spends 85 minutes in a car as his life kind of unravels around him, like, professionally and personally, and you basically get to see Tom Hardy, you know, be, like, why he's Brando of his generation. <laughs> what he's- was that movie that it was just Ryan Reynolds in a box for the entire movie? That was Buried. Okay. Alright, but now we have this movie, and... I'll say this right off the bat. I want. I want to make that. I want to make this very clear. I'm like Obama. Let me be clear. Let me be clear. Remember, I always say that in the speech. Let me be clear. <laughs> Stephen Knight is a talented filmmaker. I think. I think that he's talented because I don't think a hack would make this movie. Yeah. So we've right. said this many times. It's a cliche on the show that. In order to fail this dramatically, there has to be some inkling of talent. All right. Now, let me give you a little bit of background about the movie, because I've been now going about this director. I want to... Because you might not have heard of this movie. I, I saw the trailer, and Corey didn't. Um, and I think and this was actually supposed to come out back in October. Got pushed back to January. Fuck you, it's January. I mean, it happens. <laughs> it's not unheard of. Sometimes this happens. I let that slide. All right. So, Matthew McConaughey is this guy who is this fisherman, uh, and he's uh, trying to catch this tuna, which is named Justice. <laughs> Off to a start there. Um, and he, like, he, he leads tours off of this, like, enclave. It's called Plymouth Island. But, he and he seems to be having a pretty you know, idyllic Hemingway-esque life. Uh, you know, he basically gets to go on a boat. He takes out people. Sometimes they don't quite like him, and he doesn't like them, and as in the opening scene. he pulls a knife on some tourists in the opening scene. And that was, yeah, that was odd. That was odd. But let me try to get, but let me try to get through this, like, plot. I'm going to say plot synopsis. If I I couldn't give you a plot synopsis in a minute, that would take. We are, we're going to have a spoiler warning pretty early on in this episode. All right. But Matthew McConaughey, it turns out, he has a. 
he has uh, a, he has a woman he's banging on the island, played by Diane Lane, um, and, and you and you know this because there's some Makana ass in this, but Anne Hathaway is in the movie as his ex-wife, who finds him on this island. Um, I believe he's been there for a while. They have a son from their marriage before, and it's also. We're also led to believe that Matthew McConaughey's character was a uh, veteran of Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. And the ex-wife is now married to this other guy, uh, played by uh, Jason Clark. I don't see what his name... Do you remember his name? He. They called him by his last name, primarily, and it was something really complex, like Zacharias well, or something. Well, I mean, Ma- Matthew McConaughey's character... Oh my god, his name... What's his? Why don't you say what his name is for the audience, Corey? <laughs> Baker Dill. Baker Dill. Although I think we're told that he—that's not supposed to be like his real name. Later on, we find out his name may or may not be John. All right, but anyway, uh, the, it, what we're what, what we basically are given in the first act of this movie is what appears to be um a very overbaked but typical neo noir setup or film noir setup and you know she <laughs> she's there she has an abusive husband now and she approaches baker dill and asks him okay take him out on your boat and uh, you know when you're out there in the ocean feed him to the sharks and i'll pay you 10 million yeah and so typical femme fatale type setup right yeah, and this movie, though, it is entertainingly awful from the outset. <laughs> yeah, from minute one. Th- this doesn't build up to being crazy. Like Southland Tales, this announces, <laughs> no, we are going on to the crazy train. What Jason Manzukis on How This Get Made would say, this is sheer nonsense. This is insanity. You know, whenever he says that, <coughs> the oh, man. characters talk like they're vomiting up magnet poetry. They talk like they're characters from that movie, Color of Night. <laughs> Do you remember, like, for those oh, yeah. of you, like, look up the movie Color of Night. This was a movie in the mid 90s with Bruce Willis. And he, it, that itself is like, its own pile of film noir craziness. But this, like, yeah, this starts off right away in that boat scene. And again, I'm I'm only stating the very slim synopsis that you get from the trailer. Like, if you watch the trailer for the movie, you think to yourself, oh, okay, I think I got a handle on this movie. You don't! You don't! You don't have any understanding of what this movie has in for you. No, no. And and pretty early on, like, the filmmaker, I think, is already trying to lay the groundwork pretty heavy-handedly, I would say, because there's this guy in, like, a suit who keeps on trying to talk to Matthew McConaughey's character <laughs> for, like, the whole first half of the movie. Like, it's literally... <laughs> Comically so, he like D- Baker Dill is about to get on his boat, which is why the boat's called Serenity. Um, it's clever. Um, <laughs> and this guy, oh, who is this actor now? Oh, I'm gonna let me see who this was. Oh, I think his name's Jeremy Strong. 
And he's been in a bunch of stuff. Like, if I show you this list here, like... Are you sure that was him? That photo of him on Letterboxd looks so different. No, well, his name is Reed Miller in the film. Yeah, so that's him. He keeps on trying to stop Baker Dill. Like, for example, he'll he'll be about to go off on his boat, and just at that moment, like, Reed Miller, this guy in a suit and, like, glasses, would be like, Wait, wait, Baker Dill, wait! Wait, I have to talk to you! I have to talk to you! And this happens, like, a dozen times (laughs) in the first half of the movie. It's like a running gag. Within the first five minutes, you see him randomly wading through the water in his suit. Yeah, there's one point where he even, like, takes off his shoes and, like, goes through the water. And finally, when he catches up to uh, Matthew McConaughey's character, he's, like, trying to offer him, like, a fish-finding apparatus. Yeah, and... Uh, I mean, again... Try not to get in the spoilers this yet. This movie is so pulpy and so ridiculous. It, it almost... I have to wonder how much this was conscious on the filmmaker's part that he was trying to make, like, this, like... Not just... You know, you hear the term hard-boiled when it comes to, to film noir. You know, and you think of... Uh, you know, you think of something like James M. Cain. Like, the postman always rings twice. You know, it's kind of like the textbook of, you know, av- you know the typical guy, you know, he, you know, a hot woman, appro- you know, they have a thing and she asks him to kill, you know, her man. Uh, that, though, here is all the dialogue and even the acting is not just hard-boiled. It's like they left them in the pot for way too long. Yeah. <laughs> Like I did with those hard-boiled eggs a few months ago. That's uh, the equivalent of this movie. All right. Well, they don't know about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, th- this is like all the characters, and especially as soon as you see Matthew McConaughey too on this boat scene. Man, let me talk about that boat scene for a second. So those guys there were pissed at him because did they pay him money to take them out and they weren't getting fish? Or what was happening? Here's... Here's what happened. So they paid him to take to take them out on the boat, but the thing is, they're supposed to do the actual fishing. Yeah. But because Matthew McConaughey has spotted his mythical tuna justice, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey <laughs> refuses to allow them to fish. So like he he takes over the fishing line and says, like, no, this is my fish. And then they were like, are you kidding? We paid you $700 to take us out so we can fish. And they start yelling at him, like, let us fish. This is what we paid you to do. Then he pulls a knife on them. Yeah, he pulls a knife on them. But then later in that scene, then they say, though, we didn't pay you. Well, yeah, later in that same scene, they say, you're not getting a dollar out of us. Yeah, because Matthew McConaughey's character, he almost catches this, like, gigantic tuna, but then it gets away. This is what he, he can't, it, I'm Here's the sentence I'm about to say, Corey. Are you ready? I'm ready. He can't catch justice. <laughs> <laughs> That's this level of movies... Uh, Yeah, so in the space of about two minutes in the movie's runtime, 
the guys repeatedly say like, hey, we gave you $700, what's up? And we're not giving you any money. Yeah, so that didn't make any sense. That's the level that of I... attention to detail in this script. Well, see, Corey, though, I think this filmmaker would, uh, Stephen Knight would say, no, but you see, this is why I planned all along. Because of the mega twist. It <laughs> makes no fucking Oh, my God. Oh, oh, geez. Like, already, like, the, the acting, like I said, the acting and the writing is so completely, it's stylized beyond the point of, you know, like, if this was done, like, Sin City or something, maybe <laughs> you might be able to buy it if this was, like, written by Frank Miller. But this almost feels more like, Ernest Hemingway decided to like <laughs> toss something off like I back in if, if he was alive today, you know. But yeah, maybe Sin City with a lobotomy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, and also Unjaiman Hunsu is uh plays like the guy like Baker Dill's kind of like shipmate and like I think his name was Lou. Yeah, fine. Uh, <laughs> I think. Yeah, he he's the character it's supposed to be, I guess, like his conscience, maybe. Yeah. And like, uh, Matthew he, McConaughey treats him like absolute. Oh, absolutely. He like, yeah, he tells Jamin Huntsu, "You're bad luck. You're bad luck. Get away from me." He tells him, "I can't catch the fish because your wife died." <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I forgot about that. And yeah. Matthew McConaughey is consistently, like, firing him and then rehiring <laughs> him. And Yeah, that didn't make any sense either. <laughs> and, and in the middle of this, too, he's having this thing with Diane Lane where... Did I get, did I get this right that she's paying him to fuck her? Yeah, because he, he, <coughs> she for, calls that... him a hooker. You're just a hooker, and then he says, a hooker without a hook. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I, I need to now... Uh, Actually, I, I'm, though, I'm looking up their ages, though, because it's made to look like as if, you know, oh, like, Diane Lane is, like, taking advantage of, you know, Matthew McConaughey. I gotta actually but they're <laughs> But they're, like... They're like four years apart in age. Is he older? No, oh. no, she's she's older by like four years. He looks older, but anyway. Well, when um, you when you've left Matthew McConaughey out in the sun, sometimes he comes back and he's not quite right. Oh, I've got to give this movie feminism points though because oh, really this movie. Well, I'm getting there. Okay, because I, all right, it really um caters to the female gaze more than the male gaze. Like, there's lots mm -hmm. of gratuitous nudity of Matthew McConaughey. Well, they show his ass quite a bit, and yet, here's a weird thing, though. There's this one hilarious part, well, among many, so, but there's this one part where he comes over to uh, the Diane Lane's place, or, or no, no, she's there at his place, and he disrobes and tells her, I'm gonna take a shower. And he, like, goes off naked off of this cliff. <laughs> he jumps off a cliff. He jumps off a cliff, a very high cliff, into the water. Because I guess that's what you do on this island. You jump off of cliffs and you shower just by swimming around. But when you look, when I was looking, though, they, like, 
They CGI'd away his his man junk. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I think on the one hand, you're right that they're giving him more of the nudity and they don't have they, Diane Lane and Anne Hathaway. Yeah, are there's kept no clothed. there's no gratuitous female but, nudity in this movie at all, but there's a lot of gratuitous like Matthew McConaughey shirtless, Matthew McConaughey naked, Matthew McConaughey like in really tight wet t-shirts. But don't you think though he's starting to get he's starting to get to the age though where it's like put a shirt on, dude. Well, I mean, well, I guess maybe some women still find him hot. You know, he never lit my fire, but even when he was younger, even like you never, you never pined for him when you heard about the story of him like being found naked playing bongos, <laughs> like high off his ass, which is actually like Tuesday for so him. Actually, I didn't think of it until just now, but this is definitely a movie that I think visually caters to the female <clears throat> gaze more than the male I, gaze. I think, though, they show some, like, they show the women as being titillating, though. I mean, they have, when Diane Lane, who, God bless her, I mean, she, again, like I said, she's four years older than Matthew McConaughey, and she still is, you know, man, she's still hot. You know, like, she's in that bed. I feel like she's laid out in a way that's meant to be sexual. Yeah, but she has the robe on. Actually, though, I'm going to contradict myself right now. Mm-hmm. So, Although you could say, though, when we find out the reasoning behind this entire movie, <laughs> maybe there's a reason why we don't see the women disrobe and we see the guy and we see Matthew McConaughey. Actually, it makes even less sense. <laughs> <laughs> why? Uh, okay, but actually, I'm going to contradict myself because one thing... That actually um, is kind of annoying about this movie. In the One thing? Fir- well, in the first half, before you know what's really going on. So when we're told the Anne Hathaway character is abused by her husband, yeah. we are told at length that, like, she's not just slapped around occasionally, that she is, like, sadistically tortured for hours at a time. Yeah. And that she's beaten severely and constantly. Yet, the only wounds we see are, like, a few scratches on her back. Yeah. that Yeah, that part was odd. That are, like, cat scratches. <clears throat> so See, what they should have done if this filmmaker was... You know, he has all this ambition, but I think he may, you know, again, this is a shitty script. He should have had it where maybe she's like covering up like wounds to her face or something with makeup. And yeah. then, like, when she presents herself like one on one to McConaughey, the makeup's off and you see all of the. Like so bruises. actually, I'm contradicting myself because they obviously <clears throat> didn't want to compromise Anne Hathaway's hotness by adding even like a bruise. Yeah, uh, and again, they are such like hyper types. You know, again, Matt, like yeah. McConaughey is playing it as you know, like I'm I'm constantly either drinking or hauling things like in my hands. He's constantly moving things because he can't stand still because we might look at like his face and uh, or Anne, but then or Anne Hathaway. 
I almost felt like she was kind of bad in this. I I wasn't sure. She was hilariously bad. Yeah, Daddy. everybody's hilariously <laughs> bad in this. The only one who I feel like was trying to be a little grounded was Jason Clark, but even he was having trouble with this dialogue. Well, what the key I've said to you that one of the primary things that makes a fun bad movie yeah. as opposed to a bad bad movie yeah. is whether the actors are hammy or flat. And like flat acting makes a boring bad right, movie. Right. Hammy acting makes a fun bad movie. Yeah, if you had had if, I think if there had been more fun actors in something like uh like Atlas Shrugged part 1, yeah. I wouldn't have walked out on that movie. But since Everyone in this movie is a real actor. Everyone is... Not only are they real actors, I suspect that McConaughey and Hathaway read the script and thought, oh, this is really profound. You know, I want to make this. You so, know, like, they because of them committing, this movie got made. Yes, and they're hamming it up pretty good. Yeah, and, uh... I can't talk. I don't know. I don't think we could talk about this movie though. Without, let's just uh, get to the. All right, let's get into spoilers. spoilers again. If you haven't seen it yet, stop. If or if you don't want to be spoiled, stop now. You're okay. gonna want to see this unspoiled. Yeah, you're gonna want to see this unspoiled. Trust me. Um, this actually has like a genuine. What the fuck is that? <laughs> After I left this movie, I was basically like, "What the fuck is that?" The faces I was making during this movie <laughs> must have given you some joy as well. Yes, but at the end of this movie, I had like, I I almost looked like that painting the scream. <laughs> so our fi my final summation before I go into spoilers is this movie is absolutely awful. It is literally one of the worst movies I have ever seen ever, but it's really funny. This is you can't look away and. You really are, you, unlike with, I would even say more than Glass, because as bad as Glass is, I, I did kind of know what some things were going to happen with that. Like, it wasn't completely hard to predict in that case, maybe because Sh Shyamalan is now like kind of reaching into his bag of tricks a bit too much. I had no idea where this was going. I was strapped in, and I thought, like, okay, this can go any number of ways. Uh, how it's going to treat abuse is... How it treats abuse seems very simplistic uh, in a lot of ways. Um, all right, we used to get into, uh, into spoilers. Okay, spoilers okay, so, now. All right. There are characters in a computer game. It's all a computer game. Yeah, I probably didn't think that was coming, did you? <laughs> this is basically like James M. Cain's The Sins. <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, think about, like, I, th I was trying to think of another example of this, and I thought of uh, that great episode of Black Mirror, uh, the USS, uh, whatchamacallit. You know what I'm talking about? The one with Jesse Plemons. Yeah. Yeah, where he cre he creates the simulation in the Star Trek uh, thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then the characters rebel against their creator. Imagine that, but instead of Jesse Plemons, you have, like, a 10-year-old kid. <laughs> and the, the movie, I feel like, I don't know if you thought this. I thought, like, when I think back now, I feel like the, the director was playing 
a game with the audience, <laughs> so to speak. There was a lot of misdirection because they kept cutting back in the first half too. But uh, um, you know, before they leap out the explanation midway through the movie. Well, that's another thing you should know. This isn't like a third act or end of the movie twist. They hap- this happens midway through, and there's still, you know, another like 40, 50 minutes left of the yeah, movie. Yeah, so the great thing is they tell us the twist and then pretend there's dramatic stakes involved in watching a bunch of simulated but, but characters Corey, in a computer but game. But Corey, <laughs> don't you know that if, um, oh, don't you know that if they don't, do what they're supposed to do, this kid will not be able to rise up and kill his abusive father? Okay, so throughout the movie, it seems like Matthew McConaughey's, like this guy Baker Dill or whatever, or Baker Bill or whatever his name is, he is ta- like talking to himself and at first, and then like they cut to like this kid in a dark room who is hearing, like, these abusive voices. And I thought, at first, that was supposed to be his son. Like, but it's really not. It is... The the kid has created these simulations, and, like, you see him typing away at a computer. In one thing that is similar to Glass, there's a point... There's a scene in Glass where you see Samuel Jackson's character, like, uh, Mr. Glass typing furiously into a computer because he somehow knows all the programming. Of course. So I guess the theme for me this week is characters who are really good at programming and look at what the fuck happens. <laughs> um, so in this, no, it, it turns out that this guy, um, uh, the, the, this guy Reed Miller, who's going around selling uh, fishing equipment and things, he explains to... Baker Dill, nope, we're all in a game. I am the rules. That's his line, right? I am the rules? He's the rules of the... But here's... The, uh, uh, what I didn't get, though, is... This This is what makes the movie even crazier to me. This is what makes it go from... This is already kind of a weird, crazy film noir to complete Looney Tunes, which is... Why is this kid programming this game like this? How does he have the frame of reference? He might as well be programming, like, the Old West. Like, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, All right, so... So is he supposed to live in Miami, by the way? I assume so. I think they mentioned that, like, in an aside. So here's the thing. Presumably, this movie is set in present time. So the movie came out in 2019. Presumably, it's set in. And also in the also in the in Plymouth, one character mentions Facebook at one point, and so you kind of assume that okay, so this is also supposed to be taking place in modern times. Now, okay, so let's assume it's set in 2019. The kid who created this game is 13 years old when he created it. Something Which like means that. he was born like 2005, probably 2006 at the latest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The real life Matthew McConaughey has dies in 2006 in Iraq. Right. So this kid would have no actual memories of his father. Wait, but did, but was he having, like, he had, like, because Ma- Baker Dill, his character, like, Matthew McConaughey, 
doesn't he is it him having like the flashback to him fishing with his son or is that like a fake video game memory here's the thing I wasn't sure, but the chronology doesn't work, because at the end of the movie, they explicitly say the Matthew McConaughey character in real life died in 2006. Oh, they do say that. Yeah. Okay, I, I missed that. they say the son is 13 years old. Yeah, so how would the son have any memory? Like, he's created this entire character um, out of, like, nothing. But he's made his father into, like, a drunken lout. Yeah, so this this kid would have no actual memories but of his father. What, what makes it so bizarre, though, like, I thought it would have made more sense if he was just imagining everything. You know, like, if there wasn't a video game, if maybe he was just typing stuff into a computer, thinking that it works, but everything's in his head. Because they have one shot near the end where, like, the camera goes into the kid's eye and he's picturing, like, the pier. Yeah. So I thought that was supposed to be maybe the, or it could have been the explanation. And also, it doesn't make sense. Like, he's programming this game, but then who is playing the game? Is he playing the game himself? Is this game, like, do do these characters have their own identities? Is it like with that Black Mirror episode where the video game characters suddenly become sentient and have their own like plans well the movie wants us to feel things for the characters in the game the right. movie wants us to have feelings about them like they're actual people yeah even though they're not people well well also then it's like so this kid's supposed to be 13 and he's just imagining all that or programming into the game that his fa- that his dead father playing this guy Baker Dill is having these constant fuck sessions with Diane Lane? Why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? Why is he making his father gratuitously naked all the time in the game? Is he like... Why is is he making his father such an asshole? Yeah! Why is he such an asshole? Like, I thought midway through before they fully explained the computer part of it, that's why I thought that maybe one route they could that they were going to take with this is that that like the father is actually a real person trapped inside of like a simulation, and it's like the Truman Show <laughs> where like everyone else is playing their roles, but he finds out like, no, yeah. oh, oh man, oh man, this is all a facade. See, it's it's a fugazi, it's a fugazi, it's a it's fairy dust. You know, no. No, that's not how they play this at all. It's it's like, but th- th- it makes even less sense. Like if I were to watch this movie again, I feel like I would still be as befuddled and bewildered, and like I don't because I, I, they don't explain well enough to me. The like the only the one thing that they try to explain is that the kid is supplanting the abusive, like that his mother. I guess also is played by Anne Hathaway, and I guess Jason Clark is the father in the house. Maybe um, he's transplanting these three people, you know, dead father into the game. But then, who are all the other characters? Yeah, like where does Diamond Huntsu come from? Where does Diamond Le- Diane Lane come from? 
why is this character the rules going around <laughs> to explain to this character that doesn't exist the rules? And as you said, why are we supposed to be emotionally invested in him then? Yeah. This, this, who read this script and didn't give him notes? So How did it reach <laughs> the stage where they shot it all, edited it all? Was there, like, another version of this that was even crazier, and they willed it down to this? Dozens of people committed millions of dollars to this film. That's why I made the... That's why I made the Southland Tales comparison. I think that the... I think that people, after he came off of Locke, he was kind of... Not to the extent of Richard Kelly with Donnie Darko, but he clearly had clout behind him, and... It, he just somehow is able to get... I mean, I don't know what the budget was on this. I, I'm going to say it, it wasn't low. It had to have been, like, I'm gonna guess maybe, like, 30, maybe 40 million. I doubt these actors were working for scale. No, they looked like they were, you know... Well, probably in, in some way this must have been a little bit like a vacation because they got to go out in, like, the sun and, you know, hang out on, like, boats and do whatever but it, it <sighs> you know another big problem with this movie that exists <laughs> all right so it also thinks it's really important too. what it's trying to say that's what pissed me off ultimately i was having fun with it and then by the end i think that the director is also trying to make a statement as well so to speak you know in big bold words that this is all supposed to be like a meditation on trauma and grief. All right. All right. Now, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, I had to get that out. Now, the the twist lets us know that the only real character in this movie is the son. Yeah. He's the only one who's an actual human being. Yeah. And he's not a character at all. No. He literally doesn't speak no so the only person in this movie who's an actual human being is not a character oh no 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 you're wrong Corey. there is the part where at near the very end uh baker dill like ha hears a phone ringing in town picks it up and we hear the son's voice and they have like the conversation yeah, but again, that's in the oh i know i know i'm just saying that it's like I'm trying to stretch and say we do hear his voice. Yeah, but... But we don't hear it in the real world. Maybe... I have a crazy idea. Why not develop the only character who's an actual human being in this film? Like, maybe if we had some scenes with the real son in real life? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because we cut back to him in real life. But he doesn't speak, and the scenes are totally repetitive. It's just him sitting in front of his computer with code in front of the screen. And in the background, you hear man yelling at woman, and once or twice, the man breaks through the door to abuse the son. And, and then it, the question then comes, okay, in this real-world setting, is it okay, like, they don't develop the son at all, is he like autistic? Is he just like that Aspergery or something that he's totally wrapped up in his game? Why doesn't he tell somebody that his like mother and him are being abused? If you wanted to salvage this concept, and don't get me wrong, this movie could not be salvaged. But 
if you wanted to take this general concept and make it work, yeah, you would need to have something where like half the movie is spent in the real world and half the movie is spent in the game yeah. world. Yeah, you you would need like you could establish establish the kid at the start of the movie and make it about him. If you watch the trailer for this film, you can go on YouTube and it. Like I said, this was originally slated to come out in October. Got pushed back to January. Again, I I can't imagine why. <laughs> but no, but like you watch the trailer, and I feel like I watched it again before we started recording. The trailer lies to you about what this is. It it lies to you even more than like you know the Book of Henry trailer. I think was a little more upfront about uh, at least some parts of the movie. Um, with this, you, you have no idea that this thing is like how, like in the first half of the movie, I had this vague sense of, all right, so this is film, this is neo-noir and it's very stylized, but whatever, it's what the director's doing, but I'm also sensing these like science fiction vibes Yeah, and because of McConaughey and Hathaway, they also, they're, they they did uh, Interstellar a few years ago, so I thought, well, maybe because they're together again, this might also lead to some sci-fi bent or something. But what it ends up being, you're, it, yeah, it, it makes everything kind of null and void. We've just been watching an exercise in style. Exactly, and like... The fact that the director thought we would be dramatically invested in cartoonish video game characters. Uh, what the fuck? I, let me ask you, do you think that, because I'm pondering here, do you think that he started to write, like, what is the, what looks to be the main story of the movie, and then he kept on having these weird ideas of, well, there's this guy who keeps popping up wanting to talk to McConaughey. I wonder what I'm going to do with him. I need to think about it. And then when he decided on this idea, he basically wrote himself into a gigantic corner that he couldn't get yeah. out of. Part of me wonders if the rules character was a misguided attempt at comic relief. Oh, and... oh God, it's so not comic relief. It is like this guy, and also, I feel bad for the actor. I feel like he was directed to, well, the first time we see him on screen, too... It looks so jarring because he has this look on his face of, uh, like, almost like a Terminator. <laughs> you know, it. it that's where <laughs> I thought that they were going with it. That maybe, uh, what, or maybe another route they could have taken was that everybody is real, but it's you. You you never saw a Dark City, did you? I saw it. A very long time ago. I have no yeah, memory that, of it. Yeah, that flashed in my mind, actually, briefly watching this. Like, in Dark City, that's all. That's actually a, a movie that has a... It's it's a film noir, but then you find out that this character actually lives in this, like, nightmarish world that's being run by these, like, beings and all these, like, uh, cloaks. And it's... Dark City is great, actually. Dark I saw it. Like twenty years ago, yeah, I have no memory of it. Yeah, like that. This could have been maybe something like Dark City, where you take the kind of conventions and 
you know, artistic milieu and all and the types in film noir. And then, you know, maybe they're all being controlled because there are the inklings of an interesting idea where like, you know, you have that scene where McConaughey looks at all these maps and he sees that there's this Plymouth Island and it's in the middle of nowhere. And the fundamental miscalculation was making it that this kid is doing it all as a computer simulation. Like even if it had been him, you know, like let's say if maybe they had explained it by, you know, he's not like has, he doesn't have a computer game or whatever it is. He's maybe he writes stories and he has watched like nothing but like his dad's film noir tapes or something. (laughs) And this is what he, how he processes you know, the fact that, um, you know, daddy died and I have bad stepdad. But again, that would involve making the son an actual character that we could get invested in. I can't believe I'm saying this. I feel like in the book of Henry, at least that took place in the real world. <laughs> it, it didn't have characters we could recognize, <laughs> but it, at least it didn't suddenly pull the rug out from under you like that's why this is highly entertaining and yet by the end of it i felt really like cheated and it it tries to make it like they also have this climax where um like there's kind of like an aborted attempt um to try to uh for for mcconaughey to kill the jason clark character on the boat it doesn't work the first time and by the way then there's like this side thing where the Jaiman Huntsu character used like money that he got from the first boat trip to try to break Jason Clark's hand and beat him up so that he couldn't go out on the boat again. Yeah. But then he does. Yeah. Oh my god. And and then like like that climax, they're cutting between the boat and the kid in the room. <laughs> Yeah, and I I understand a lot of the things that are stupid and implausible about the plot and about Plymouth Island. You can say, like, oh, it's just a game. Yeah, but the fact that it's just a game means we have no investment in the outcome. Yeah, well, no, here's the thing. I... We don't have investment in it, but as far... I think that what the director was trying to go for is... But we do feel investment because... Him killing the gu- him throwing the guy to the sharks means that he has the will to finally kill his abusive stepfather. Yeah, or something. They, Again, I'm 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 really reaching here. It is connected to real life eventually because the kid really does murder his stepfather in real life after Matthew McConaughey murders the stepfather in the game. Yeah, but again. We never see the father as a character in real life. We never see the mother as a character in real life. So again, why do I care about these people? You're only showing me the chintzy simulations. It would be like if... I know you didn't see Ready Player One, but it would be like if in Ready Player One, you know, in in that movie and in that book, you have, you know, the real life people who are using the, this interconnected video game system. Um, and then, you know, you have their avatars in the video game world. 
This would be like if you started the movie or the book and you only had it set in the video game world <laughs> and then halfway through you realize, oh, this is all being done by one guy using this video game thing. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, even though Ready Player One's not perfect, like, at least that committed to its premise. This is madness. This is just... I don't know. I feel like also near the end, did it feel like it was trying to be schmaltzy? Yeah, because it really tried to be schmaltzy because we're supposed to be moved that the Matthew McConaughey character connects with his son in the game. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, goddamn, man. Goddamn. Wow, I really care that this collection of pixels had a moment with another collection of pixels. <laughs> <laughs> While also hackneyed voiceover tells us what the details of what happened in the real world. We don't yeah. see any like, you know, like news feeds or anything. We don't see anything like that. We just see, like, a camera kind of pull back from the pier to reveal, oh, this is on a TV or something, and then show us the picture of dead McConaughey dad in, like, a drawer in a desk, and... It's not very cinematic. No, no, it's and it's weird because a lot of the movie is trying to be cinematic in its way. Yeah. Um... This movie's a mess. This movie's a fiasco. This movie is a disaster. I had I, I know like you were a little unsure to talk about this movie after we saw it. I feel like we had to talk about it. It was a bold visionary clusterfuck. This is again, this is real ambition. I I have to kinda of, in a weird way, I have to applaud this director. Um because somehow he I don't know if he conned these <laughs> actors or what, or maybe it was the promise of you get to be by the seaside for a few weeks and, you know, vamp it up and wear, like, expensive clothes or not. And, uh, but I, I, I but at the same time, I can't applaud it because it's a failure. This movie's the Hindenburg. <laughs> this movie's the Titanic. It's all, we are in the third week of January, and I feel like this could already be the worst movie of the year. I can't see how anything would beat it. The only thing is... I would, like, Glass is, like, Citizen Kane compared <laughs> to this. I'm sure there are movies that I might, like, enjoy less in the sense that, like, I'm sure there will be movies I dislike more than this one because they're boring mm -hmm. and this movie is not boring. No, th this is almost, uh, I feel like we had a similar experience, like even more than life itself. Uh, would you say this was as crazy as acrimony? This movie's in a whole nother stratosphere of crazy. Yeah. Like acrimony is grounded in reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and, and you have to and you have to watch the whole thing um yeah you have to sit through every minute of this and it's it's full crazy like 
I can't remember the last time I saw a movie with this inept of a script. A movie where literally (laughs) every scene was completely tinted. Well, no, I mean, well, that's why I think I leaned over to you at one point and I said, and I was serious, especially at the midway point, did Neil Breen do a pass on this script? It does feel kind of like a Neil Breen movie. And (laughs) I actually. It's a Neil Breen movie with, again, this level of actors. And this level of, you know, it has like a real cinematographer behind it. Yeah. It has production value. It has, you know, somebody giving you like a real score. The movie's also quite bright and colorful because it's set on Plymouth Island, which yeah. is like a resort. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it, it doesn't look dingy. It actually looks like a professionally yeah. done movie. Um what I think, though, also, but in the one, well, actually, I'll give another, I will give a really big criticism, though. I think the, the director also missed an opportunity because he has this computer game, but it always just looks like a movie. Couldn't yeah. there have been something creative to it where maybe it had, like, some extra video game element to it, aside yeah. from... Sometimes Matthew McConaughey is looking at a character, the camera cuts, and then it cuts back, and the character's gone. Yeah. No, I agree. And That's why I thought it was in his head. And if they're video game characters, weird things like the Donkey Kong barrels wouldn't be shocking to them. Yeah. Because they're game characters. Yeah, he should have actually made it even crazier in the second half of the movie then. Like... You know, because I thought for maybe a minute they were going to maybe play around with the idea that this is real and McConaughey's character just has major PTSD. Oh, do you want to mention, too, that the few people who were in the theater when we saw this walked out before it was over? Well, there were a few people all the way in the very back. Like We were in the type of movie theater where you have the seats that are all the way at the very back of the of the of the theater maybe so people could be there i saw one guy to also sit down right after the movie started and he sat like a few rows behind us but off to the side yeah and he was gone too yeah by the very end of this nobody was left and i don't really remember when they left while it was going but on every but everyone else in the theater granted it was not a lot of other people no so it was like three or four other people but they all walked out Th- before this the is, movie was over this movie's gonna bomb hard i think like i don't think it, it got much advertising you didn't know i this had was- never heard of it until you mentioned it to me yesterday you told me yesterday like oh this movie's right up your alley yeah Which well it is. well i well i knew like i said i had seen the trailer they had a poster for this movie at one of the theaters we go to that that was up for a while. It's not a very imaginative poster either. It's just an image of McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, and it's like a you know str- you know slither down the middle. Um, and, and so I knew it was a th- movie. I didn't know quite when it was coming out until maybe a week or two ago. And then the early reviews started coming in the past couple of days saying, no, no, you need to see this yeah. movie. And boy, I, I now I know why they're, they're saying that. Like, this is going to be, this is one of those movies that how this get made is going to do like two hours on. Yeah, and they, 
And I read several comments on Letterboxd that said this is going to be a huge bomb and it's going to be a cult film like 10 years from now. I and Maybe even sooner than that. Like, this has... Uh, um, this makes, like, showgirls look coherent. Yeah. This is how, like, Midnight Movie... Yeah, Midnight Movie. You know, and I made that Color of Night comparison not too lightly. That was also its own overbaked, you know, pile of garbage. But at least... That took place in the real world. <laughs> oh man, I I can't. I hope you guys listening to this go see this movie, yes. or have already seen it, and you had the experience that we did. Uh, I take hope, the journey. Take the journey. Come on, guys, you gotta go and do this thing. You gotta go with. Uh, you know, you're <laughs> good. I don't know if my McConaughey is that good impression. I'm trying. Yes. I, I need to watch a little bit more. Hey, you know. L- Look at what I am in 10 years. You remember, just this last side note, do you remember his Oscar speech? No, not really. Oh my God. I'm going to have to play his Oscar speech after this is over. When he won for uh, Dallas Buyers Club. It's like half charming and half completely smug bullshit. Well, he... He must. That was one of those awards where, like, everyone but, knew he was getting at the Oscar. But again, like, I feel like the reason why people need to go see this movie too is we don't get many movies like this where it's big Hollywood stars in a movie that isn't, you know, a sequel or reboot or remake. This was a director's vision. <laughs> <laughs> this got, was an auteur. And he got people to commit to this. He you did know, have a vision. You know, and this a is, singular vision. A singular vision. You know, <laughs> he he got some people to really, you know, wrap their heads around this. And I I kind of uh I respect that even though the results are catastrophic. Stephen Knight, shine on you crazy diamond. Shine on you crazy diamond and thank you for luck. Uh if you guys have seen this movie uh, please email us at wagesofcinema at gmail.com. Leave us a comment on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, we love to see those. Uh, I'm, I already saw some positive feedback about uh, our glass review. So uh, so thank you for those who, who commented about that. Um, I don't know what we'll do next time we come back. This is it. We've peaked. We've peaked as humanity. <laughs> We're now both the baby at the end of 2001 <laughs> floating around the planet. <laughs> right. we, we are both the star children. <laughs> All right. Until next time, Jack. I'm Corey. And the wage of cinema is death. <laughs> uh, I feel dead after this. <laughs> Good night.